Hello everyone, I'm Mark, the chief writer here at Maltopia, and I just wanted to remind you the sleep-wake cycle is but one of a series of interconnected horror podcasts within the wide and weird world of Maltopia. For Easter eggs, crossover events, and additional lore, please check out our other series, The Shepherd of Wolves, Red Mother, Grimland, and The Damnation Machine. And be sure to check out our free content on our Patreon page for additional lore and stories. For even more Maltopia content, consider becoming a patron. Starting for as little as $2 a month, benefits range from additional art, update videos, early episode access, our mini-podcast series, October's Children, both written and full audio pieces, such as The Lost Library, Tales of Maltopia, and The Weird Book. You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you Everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive in June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive in June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. 
That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. plushcare.com slash weightloss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. taken a cab down to the edge of Nighthead's Wasting House district. Most cities had one, where the overflow of the mad were tucked away after the darkness. And, as the name implied, most people didn't exactly receive crackerjack treatment. Most of the folks ended up in a potter's field, mass grave, or heaped on a burning pile. After all the patients had passed on, places like that just shut down, got abandoned. Not a lot of people wanted to be reminded of the horrors that went on there. Even in Nighthead, the place was given a wide berth, making it a good place for a meet. Kyle Paris never struck me as the type of guy who belonged at Jericho. Too edgy and unpredictable to make a good hunter. It only made good sense he'd end up playing things down the middle, working both sides of the street. And he sure as hell wasn't all that trustworthy. But he'd give you the scoop provided you crossed his palm with enough silver, and I had money to burn. My sister moved like a shadow as we went along the cracked streets, blending into the darkness like she was born to it. And of course, she was. We both were. She hadn't said much since the strangeness at the hotel, just that this gig of ours was a lot bigger than we were led to believe. She'd level with me once everything was straight in her head, Back in the little white room they put us in as kids, she once told me that dreams were like little puzzles. I imagined she was still fitting the pieces together. The wasting house we were looking for was tucked deeply into a block of dozens of similar buildings. The inside of the place looked like it had been gutted by a fire. Frankly, I was surprised it was still standing. We trudged through all the waste and ruin and until we came to a wide room at the center of the structure. Paris called out from a nearby hallway. Since when did the infamous insomniac need a partner? He was talking about Romy, who paid the comment a small shrug. Since I got out of the exopath biz, I got moved up. There was no need to spill on Romy. In my line of work, everyone was always better off knowing less. Nowhere but down after the salamander, eh? 
<laughs> so what line of work are you in now, Isaiah? It's all hush-hush these days, Kyle. But I still pay well. Never doubted that for a second. I would have hung up on just about anybody else. You and your money never seemed on good terms. I'm always happy to help you unload it. So, uh, what's it gonna be today, if not the scoop on the uh, latest lunatic? What do you know about a guy by the name of Baltus Kilroy? He's from a little lake town called Marrows. Paris just shook his head. Nothing much. I uh, might have run security for him somewhere on the north side. A meeting or something. But you know how it is, Isaiah. I ain't kept all that informed by my employers. Works best for everyone involved. Any connection between uh, him and the Calistagos? His expression soured immediately. Uh, <laughs> look, Isaiah, I'm always happy to take your money. Let you know if there's been any new faces in town, where a few bodies might be buried. But lowdowns like that is real bad for business, to say nothing about my health. Whatever this new racket of yours is, it's gonna need a new insider. Because those are beans I can't afford to spill, and neither can you no matter what the paying you these days. This was the big difference between working cases and hunting exopaths. Nobody liked exos, and just about everybody was better off without them. Apart from the occasional serial killer groupie, people generally loved to dump on them, spilling anything and everything they knew. This wasn't that. It was knocking on doors that didn't want to open, shaking people down with big connections inviting the next knife to your back. Paris was too hooked up to throw me even the smallest bone. But I knew that already, which was why Romy made for the shadows the second Paris was focused on me. Well, you can't fault a fella for asking. I appreciate you coming all the way out here, Kyle. I handed over a wad of bills for his trouble. But if you feel the burning need to help me out, I'll write you a letter, sure, sure. <laughs> He was already making for the exits. See you around, Paris. Not if I see you first, Isaiah. Romy was just a pale face melting out of the darkness. He must have hated turning down your money. The guy loves to live it up, that's for sure. Fancy cars and nightclubs, real man about town. Now, I don't usually like to talk about a sleep read before I sort through everything, but he had Calistago and Kilroy on the brain. Or I did. But it seems to me he's been neck deep in providing safe passage to Marrows for a while now. Safe passage for people who apparently scare the crap out of him. The images were all pretty horrible, no doubt mixed up with all the rest of the nasty stuff he's seen. Not to mention the god-awful images I was pulling from this building. Cripes. I wish he could have picked a better place to meet. Reminded me of the dreams I still have about where they found us, that rat hole in New Vic. Anyway, it looks like he's not the one running the security show. He works under someone else. Someone who looks straight out of a nightmare, if my read is anywhere near the mark. Any names? Places? Yeah, a Mr. Goltoro. Seems to be the name of the scary guy he works for. 
Now, I can't be sure if he appears like he does in Paris's mind, but he doesn't exactly look normal. Made up in some kind of weird all-black getup. Almost looks like a cross between a business suit and one of those vintage diving outfits. You know, the ones with the huge round helmets. Here's hoping that's a dream embellishment. What about places where all this is going down? Squint Lane mean anything to you? Yeah, it's a spot near the north side. Narrowest alleys and streets you've ever seen. Must have been put together with defective rulers or something. Not a lot of space to hide in a place like that. Of course, not a lot of places to run either. <laughs> I have to say, if even a tenth of the stuff I pulled out of your friend is accurate... Nighthead is a lot worse than even the rumors make out. Like the stuff that happened in the hotel room? <laughs> yeah, like that stuff. I'm still trying to work that one out. This place is like one big shadow, but what's casting it is an open question. You see, New Victoria is like some terrible creature risen from the depths of sleep and nightmare, mounting an assault on waking. This place is different. Instead of a collective dream, there's just... darkness. It's like something took away the space reserved for sleep and replaced it with a night that never ends. We decided to hoof it back to the hotel, walk through the dark orchards that nearly cut off a third of the city. The streets were mobbed with nocturnes, all of them waiting to hear Doc Scrim pontificate on the virtues of darkness, and the witching hour was fast approaching. He tried to sell them on the idea of a city completely cut off from light, just like Nighthead. It was a sight to see, though, when the city transformed. The iron shielding, shutters and barriers and so forth, mechanically sealing off the city from the sun. I wasn't sure if the Noctopolis, this new model for civil living, was for the love of darkness or the hatred of sunshine. It was that level of obsession that made Nighthead's nocturnalism more than simply the inversion of a traditional city. A traditional city still carried on at night, if only to a lesser degree. But the city of Pitch regarded the touch of daylight all but lethal. No one wanted to be caught dead in the stuff. Once we were back in our room, Romy started a pot of coffee and decided to wring out the last of the discovery materials. We'd already exhausted most of the written stuff and had only the last bit of Dr. Bowley's audio notes to play through, which, considering recent events, would likely be the most informative. I pressed play on the tape marked Interview with Baltus Kilroy. July 10, evening. After the crushed body of Mr. Edward Cutty had been recovered and bore away within a rusty black pickup, we asked one of the locals to transport us to the abode of Baltus Kilroy, having collectively determined to take up his delivered invitation. The aforementioned gentleman's estate was set a good distance from the city centre, and rose out of the gloom with considerable drama wreathed in fog and bramble as it was. The structure was decidedly not of the eastern colonial style, confirming, at least superficially, the strange account of its coming to the city. 
On a more personal note, it did possess the appearance of having literally dropped from the sky, as it seemed to share little with the surrounding aesthetics. Not that I'm one to question the veracity of tales stemming from the great darkness, mind you, merely that I am one who questions everything. July 10, late evening. We were met at the door by a small crowd of servants, who, with nary a word, collected all our belongings, which were scant, considering previous events. Summarily, we were deposited upon the third floor of the very extensive estate, which was indeed decorated with paintings and photos of the estate's alleged original location, near the Bolden Forest, further solidifying the tale of its arrival in Marrows. Our rooms were fresh and well-maintained, if a tad over-lavish. One of the servants, a tall, gaunt creature, informed us that Mr. Kilroy was out for the evening, but would be returning the following night. Given the circumstances, I insisted on posting a watch, which our minders were only too happy to maintain. I should also tell you that our team sensitive, Maria Stapleton, believes we have been under constant surveillance since having arrived here, and that the medium through which this effort has been facilitated consists of nothing less than the darkness itself. July 11, 2 a.m. I was awoken by one of our minders, who, in his diligence, reported to me a strange sound. The sound, which I can confirm having heard shortly after being awoken, emanated from below us, perhaps the ground floor. It resembled a mass of whispers, sweeping back and forth across the mansion, carried upon the breeze, it almost seemed to me. Myself and Stanley Moore, our stoutest minder, attempted to descend the steps nearest our rooms, and alighted upon a most horrific fact. The dark was so deep and absolute it could not be alleviated by light, leastways not the candles and flashlights at our disposal. This strange phenomenon was also confirmed by the rest of the team, who, along with myself, elected to stay awake the remainder of the night, lest some other strangeness descend upon us unawares. July 11. Morning. I saw no use in questioning the servants as to the strange events, as they were almost certainly aware of them, and likely in no position to improve our understanding. We were treated to a wonderful breakfast, and invited to wander the grounds at our leisure, which we did, collectively. Given that we were invited, I assumed the grounds would prove uneventful, and so they did, even if the sights were rather charming all of those lovely gardens and fountains. July 11, late afternoon. We spent the day formalizing notes and perusing the large library in the east wing of the mansion, which was quite enormous, if entirely useless for my purposes. It was filled with mostly trivial tomes, tall tales and art, and books filled with the dustiest prose. Clearly not a research library. We were treated to an excellent lunch, however, 
and again the servants were little more than mutes. July 11. Along about seven o'clock in the evening, we were informed that Mr. Kilroy had returned from his travels and was waiting to meet us in the dining room. We are currently dressing for dinner. July 11. Interview with Mr. Baltus Kilroy. I generally do not give interviews, but if what I have to say will allow our fine city to rise from its ruin, then I am eager to supply one. And might I add my condolences for poor Mr. Cutty. One of the risks of living so close to that angry lake of ours, I'm afraid. How kind of you, on both counts. I'd like to begin by asking you about what it is you do here in Marrows. You listed yourself as the city's caretaker. Might you expound on the title? What precisely do you do here? Certainly. By now you must be aware of the strange circumstances that brought my family here during the Great Darkness. Yes, yes I am. Shortly after we all arrived here, we began to engage the local businesses, assisting them in their financial transactions, and developing the infrastructure necessary to buoy the city during the years following the disaster. But while the city survived, it did not flourish, regrettably. Thus, I've been using my expertise in the matters of business to facilitate whatever growth I can here. You said we. Where are the other members of the Kilroy family, if I may ask? Of course. They moved on to greener pastures when the opportunity arose. My brothers live in New York, and my two daughters took husbands in Philadelphia and Baltimore. My wife, Grace, did not long survive the darkness. Like so many, she took her own life. So sorry to hear that. And you chose to stay after everyone had left? Yes, yes I did. This is my home, after all. Of course, makes perfect sense. Now, as someone who cares as deeply for the city as you do, one must wonder why, Mr. Kilroy, you've refused to be included in your government's attempts to reunite Marrows with the rest of the country. Why is that exactly? Certainly the city would be far better off with the government's help. Reinforced infrastructure, fresh roads to connect it to more profitable ventures, and so on and so forth. I may do my best to care for the city and its people, Dr. Bowley, but I don't pretend to govern them. I was told by the citizens of Marrows to present a petition that they all signed to a man in charge of the reclamation effort. And I did just that. You are aware of the petition, I expect. We are. Then you should know that the people of Marrows elected, unanimously, to remain independent from your efforts. Certainly, I tried to sway them from that decision. For all the reasons you outlined. But they are a clannish lot. And accept help rather begrudgingly, I'm afraid. Do you think that, perhaps, 
One or a number of these clannish individuals, as you call them, could commit murder on behalf of the city's autonomy. Several men from the reclamation effort already asked me that same question. My answer hasn't changed. Who's to know how far a man will go to defend what's his? Indeed. How far will a man go to achieve his goals? What bedfellows might he lay with to ensure his power? What darkness might he take up with? Do I sense a connotation being implied, good doctor? Not at all. Merely musing out loud. Incidentally, I wonder if you have any specimens that might have survived the burning of the city's Museum of Darkness. The jewellery made from fish bones, I think. No, no I don't. The fire was extensive. Oh, it must have been indeed. A fire like no other, no doubt. Bones tend not to burn away, you see. I'm, I'm sure I do not know. I do hope I've satisfied your curiosities, Dr. Bowley. But you'll have to excuse me. I have some correspondence I'd like to finish before I retire. I hope you all enjoy your dinner. Of course. And thank you for your hospitality, Mr. Kilroy. It's been a pleasure. Not at all. The pleasure, Doctor, was all mine. July 11, middle of the night. We've awoken to complete darkness. The stuff is absolute, beyond what darkness should be capable of. It seems nearly tangible, resistant to all light, and can even dampen sounds, it seems. We've gathered in a circle, clutching one another so as not to lose ourselves in all this pitch. And there are sounds, which I assume you can hear, should this recording ever reach you. Such horrible whispers and shrieks from old corners of the dark. Time undetermined. We've no idea how long we've been huddled together. Days, perhaps. We've only just now heard footsteps. Enormous footsteps. As if climbing an equally enormous flight of stairs. I fear this may be my final recording. This has been Dr. Mercer Bowley of Discovery Team 27. July 14. We awoke in a circle upon the hallway floor, a whispering servant informing us that our boat is waiting at the docks, and that Mr. Kilroy has a car waiting to deliver us to it. We are preparing to depart. Quickly. July 14. Evening. We have departed Leland for Nighthead. Regrettably, our discovery materials may reach you later than was planned, for the reasons I've already mentioned. On a more personal note, to whom it may concern, good luck. You will most certainly need it. The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Bear and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone, and the Sleepwake Cycle theme song was written and performed by Sean Zeller. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. 
And if you'd like to know more about the world of the sleep-wake cycle and contribute to its nightmarish expansion, visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash Meltopia, where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythology, stories, and more. For more information about the sleep-wake cycle and the larger world of Meltopia, head over to Meltopia.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 